0: Welcome in to OutKick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fantastic Tuesdays, wherever you may be, across this great country or this great land. We have got a lot to dive into. I want to say thanks again for buying American Playbook, uh, and I hope all of you are as excited for the launch of college football as I am. I have got 18 winners up on OutKick right now. I tweeted it out from my Twitter account. You can find it there. I'm going to dive into those games on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, but I wanted to start here on Tuesday uh, in particular with what I think are the three best games that are going to be played uh, over this opening weekend. And in order, this is the gold, the silver, and the bronze. I always like to give you kind of a viewer guide if you had to decide hey how am I going to spend my time I can only watch a few games which ones would I tell you hey these are the ones you should definitely make time for this is at the apex this is where this monitor is not working Uh, get people come out work at the monitors and I can't turn it off anymore my only plan on, uh, by the way, technology, let me see if I can fix this live on the air. So for viewers at home, appreciate all of you subscribe, appreciate all of you who watch. So I have two monitors. I can see myself right here. And then I have a live feed into all of Fox News. So I can see every behind the scenes camera. It's very cool. I can get in there and I can see everything. And so I'm flipping it over right now. But the off-on button doesn't work. I'm going to play around with that. Actually, there it went it just went off. Um, but it's kind of cool. Like I can see the 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 the. Uh, I can see the teleprompter. I can see it all on my right screen here. Obviously, I don't have a teleprompter for this show. I don't. I mean, I always say this is my notes. I don't know if you guys can see that. Can you see that a little bit? There you go. Uh, I have to tilt it a certain way. This is what I sit down and do my entire radio show and outkick the show with, just that writing. I'm very much of a just kind of bullet point, uh, everything that I want to talk about, and then I just glance down and make sure that I've got it all. So three best games, gold, silver, bronze, Florida State, LSU. This game, I believe, is being played in Orlando, neutral site game. We saw it played last year in New Orleans. I think it was played last year in New Orleans. One of the best games of opening weekend last year. Phenomenal game that FSU found a way to win. Uh, LSU kind of lost it late, even though they had a great drive or it looked like they were going to be able to win. Top 10 matchup. I picked FSU to win the ACC and advance to the playoff this year. I think LSU is going to win the SEC West. So this is one that I cannot wait to watch. Uh, year two of Brian Kelly, one of my favorite stats out there is every SEC coach that has won a championship since we went to SEC championship games has won at least nine games by year two. So Brian Kelly has already taken, won the SEC West last year, uh, went, what, six and two last year in uh, in conference, if I remember correctly, won the tiebreak over, uh, over Alabama and managed to get itself, uh, to get themselves into the, uh, into the SEC championship game. I think LSU is going to win the West again this year. Not sold on Alabama. We'll talk about this a little bit later in the week. Still uncertainty, at least to the moment that I have seen about who the starting quarterback for Alabama will be. I think the Tide will probably play three against MTSU this weekend. FSU-LSU, going to be one of those games that you look back on, I believe, in November – and it has a very significant role in terms of what the college football playoff is going to look like. If I could tell you to only watch one game, this is a Sunday night game, FSU, LSU, best game of opening weekend. By the way, not sold on the quality overall of opening weekend. Uh, I think college football needs to do a better job when there's no NFL competition of stacking better matchups. This is one reason why I wish we sort of had a czar of television who could create better matchups in the opening week. To me, this is – you should – I love college football. But you should be almost unable to leave your television for the entire opening weekend of college football. That's how compelling I think these games should be. FSU, LSU, best game. I like the under on this one, okay? The under on the Florida State LSU game is my gambling pick. That is where I am going. That is where my money is. South Carolina, North Carolina. South Carolina, North Carolina, underrated. I think some of you are subscribed. This is my uh, surprise. This is my silver game. This is my silver medal game. Spencer Rattler going up against May. This is going to be, I think, potentially a matchup of top 10 quarterbacks in college football. Uh, You have got uh, both teams. South Carolina before September is over has to play at Georgia and at Tennessee. If South Carolina loses this game, they're likely going to be sitting at two and three, I think will be the math, at the end of September. Everybody plays five games if you don't have a bye week in September this year. Um, And so right now, North Carolina is a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The Tar Heels under Mac Brown have built themselves back up to relevance, but they haven't really been able to kick and punch their way through South Carolina under Shane Beamer, recruiting very well, obviously had a spectacular close to the season, managed to beat Tennessee, managed to beat Clemson, a lot of optimism down in Columbia and in the Palmetto State in general about the trajectory of Shane Beamer's program. Uh, North Carolina started off white hot, closed downward spike, managed to keep May from transferring going to another uh, program. I love this game. Uh, I think the offenses are going to be ahead of the defenses. I'm taking the over in this game, South Carolina, North Carolina. Uh, And that's my silver medal game. Bronze medal game. Third best game of the weekend. It's happening on Thursday. Okay, that's a Saturday night game, by the way, South Carolina, North Carolina, if you're trying to plan your schedule. Florida, Utah. Florida, Utah, Thursday night in Salt Lake City. The Utes lost a tough game on the road at night to start the year last year. Cam Rising's health, very questionable. Number keeps coming down. I'm not sold on this Florida Gator offense. Billy Napier, year two. I don't think the Gators are going to be very good. I like the under in this game. In fact, it's one of my blood bank guarantees. The under in this game. Florida, Utah, love it. It's my bronze medal game. Um, Florida needs to win this game, honestly. Utah could be okay, and we saw them last year be okay despite losing to Florida to start the season. The Gators lose this one. When you look at the quality of team on their schedule, they're going to struggle if they lose this game. Florida is, in my opinion, potentially to qualify for a bowl game. Uh, as the game comes under seven, As low scoring as it is, I would still be inclined to take the Florida Gators as we sit around seven. It's down to six and a half, though, this number continuing to trickle down. I love the under. I just think it's going to be a low scoring game. So I'm on the under Florida State LSU, over South Carolina, North Carolina, under on Florida, Utah. That is my gold, my silver, and my bronze. Three best games of the college football weekend. Uh, I cannot wait for them. All right. Now, that is my breakdown. I'll continue to break down college football games as we move forward. But given it's Tuesday, gambling picks are up, 18 of them up uh, on OutKick. Go check them out. All right, I want to give credit. People say, Clay, you never say anything positive at all about Joe Biden. That's not true. Every now and then I say something positive. For instance, Joe Biden was on vacation when the WNBA champs visited the White House. Very, very funny that they scheduled the WNBA champs to visit the White House and they only got to meet Kamala Harris and Joe Biden wasn't even willing to be there. Like He's on vacation when they visit the White House. I don't know how much more disrespectful of a WNBA champion you can be. If Trump did this, everyone would lose their mind. Hey, Clay Travis here. We'll be right back. But first, here's a word. Getting ready to take on spring? Joe Biden, as a as a promise in 2020, he said, I'm going to unite the country. I'm going to restore a sense of normalcy decorum to the nation. Joe Biden has at least managed to unite the country. Unfortunately, he's united the country in the belief that he's too old to do the job. Uh, This is from an AP poll that is out. Seventy seven percent of Americans believe that Joe Biden is too old to be president of the United States. And this is tough to do, right? It's tough to get 77% of Americans to agree on anything, but it's also massive majorities of both Republicans and Democrats. 89% of Republicans and 69% of Democrats all believe, meaning 77% overall of the country, 77%, 89% of Republicans, 69% of Democrats believe that Joe Biden is too old to be president of the United States. And uh, I saw this, And I said, okay, this is from the AP. Uh, This is from the AP poll as well. What words come to mind when you think of Joe Biden or Donald Trump? And we'll start with Joe Biden. What words come to mind? Old, outdated, aging, elderly, 26% of Americans say those words come to mind. Slow, confused, bumbling, 15%. 15%. Okay. Uh, Donald Trump's only a few years younger, but what percentage of the American population thinks old, outdated, aging, or elderly of Donald Trump? 1%. 26% to 1%. The electorate out there thinks that Joe Biden is old, outdated, aging, and elderly does not think that about Trump. Slow, confused, bumbling, bumbling, just 3% of people say that about Trump. 15% of people say that about Joe Biden. Where Trump is hit is on, is he corrupt, criminal, crooked? 15 say yes. Does he? Is he a liar, dishonest, untrustworthy? Eight say yes. That combines to 23% versus 8% who say the same thing about Joe Biden. So if we have a rematch in 2024, It's going to be, right now at least, based on these numbers, Joe Biden's elderliness, his age, his inability to mentally process things, versus Donald Trump's criminality. That's basically the election. Um, And I think, by the way, that the number of people who also think that Joe Biden is a criminal will grow. And it may also be that many people think Joe Biden's a criminal. They just think he's also mentally deficient. In terms of physical and mental capacity to be president, more so than they think he's a liar. Uh, so again, credit where credit is due. Joe Biden has united 77% of the country in believing that he is too old to do the job. Um, I saw this and I couldn't believe it. John Cougar Mellencamp said on Bill Maher's show that only one to two percent of Black people in America had a better life today than the slaves did. I I just, this is the guy, by the way, who sings Jack and Diane, which is a great bar late night song. One to 2% of people say, sorry, John Mellencamp, John Cougar Mellencamp says only one to 2% of black people today have a better life than the slaves did. Uh, And he later amended it because Bill Maher, like, ripped him and said, what are you talking about? He said, okay, 10%. And before you dismiss this, this is an argument that the left wing in this country is trying to make because it delegitimizes American exceptionalism. And I made a big deal of this because I think it's significant. Remember, this is essentially the same argument that Colin Kaepernick made. For those of you who didn't take the time, most of you, To watch Colin Kaepernick's Netflix special, Colin Kaepernick's Netflix special, for which his production company and he himself was paid millions of dollars to produce, has a a part of that show where they show slaves on the auction block, that is, uh, black men and women being sold into slavery with people bidding on them, They compare that. They switch the black man walking in tattered clothes and chains. They shift it and say, this is basically the NFL combine. And what I mean by that is they show you know how you can kind of like change the picture? So it starts as a guy walking in tattered slave clothes and turns it into an NFL would be player at the combine walking and getting his height and weight taken. And the attempt is to say, oh, this is just a continuation of modern day slavery. The idea that if you play football and you are being paid millions of dollars a year, potentially, potentially tens of millions of dollars a year, whether you're white, black, Asian, or Hispanic player, that you are in fact a slave. And I just, I, I see this and I can't help but mock and ridicule it because. Did I miss the parts of the history books where slaves had free agency? Did slaves hold out? Did did I miss when I was studying American history? I don't think that I did. I'm a history major. Maybe I missed it. Did I miss a part of the history books where if a slave was tired on a day and felt like he wasn't being treated fairly, that he could hold out? Could you retire from slavery? Did you get guaranteed Multi million dollar contracts in slavery? Would one plantation owner bid against another plantation owner? Was there a salary cap that guaranteed that everybody was going to make a minimum salary that was way more than everybody else made? I, I, I'm obviously ridiculing how crazy this is, but this is an argument for the left. And what the argument they try to make is well, America really hasn't changed very much. Well, I'm sorry. If you actually make that argument, you are a moron and you're also a liar. Because it just means you haven't studied history at all. I'm not saying America's perfect. We all have issues. In fact, we got an idiot for president right now. I think the worst president we've ever had in our life. I wish he was way better than he is. But this idea that things are bad for black people in 2023 like they were in 1843 is crazy. The idea that everyone in America doesn't have way more opportunity in 2023 than we had in 1953 is crazy, or 1913, or 1874. Like, this is madness. And increasingly, in order to be a left-wing individual in good standing, you have to be willing to argue things that are fundamentally untrue, such as this, that only 1% to 2% of modern-day black people have a better life than slaves. I like Jack and Diane. John Cougar Mellencamp should really reconsider all of his political opinions if he truly believes this. Um, I talked about this earlier. The mayor of Miami announced that he was with uh, stepping down during his presidential campaign uh, this afternoon, live, while we were on Clay and Buck. He put out a tweet. And everybody's making fun of Francis Suarez, I believe is his name, mayor of Miami. Ha ha. He stepped out. He didn't even get on the stage in August. Uh, he barely ever registered 1% in the race. And now he's stepping down and announcing that he's not going to continue his race. But in reality... I think we need way more people to actually drop out. Um, And in particular, uh, I would say you guys can analyze this as you see fit. If you have no chance to win the Iowa caucus, the New Hampshire primary, the South Carolina primary, or the Nevada primary, then you, in my opinion, should also drop out. That means Will Hurd. That means um, Larry Elder that means Mike Pence, that means Doug Burgum, that means um, Asa Hutchinson, all five of those people should immediately drop out. None of them has a chance to win Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, or Nevada. I'm being very generous in my analysis here. There are six candidates left who can win in any of those states, okay? Okay. I am going to name them. Donald Trump, clearly, who is the front runner; Ron DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley, and Tim Scott. That's basically it. I'll also include Chris Christie, because he's actually polling at second in New Hampshire. There are six candidates who should be eligible to still be the Republican nominee, in my opinion. Everybody else should drop out. And after the next debate in September in California, if you are not still within striking distance of Iowa, I think you should drop out as well. So there should be only six candidates left. And by the way, I'm not trying to take shots at these guys. Uh, We offered Mike Pence the opportunity to come on the radio show this week. Mike Pence and I got into it over whether he would pardon Donald Trump. Mike Pence's team got back to the Clay and Buck team and said he's not going to have good cell phone reception all week. Evidently, Mike Pence is going to the far side of the moon, uh, and uh, and there's no way for him to be able to be on the radio show. Now, the reality is, I think Mike Pence is upset because I called him out on his refusal to uh, to give an answer on whether he would pardon Donald Trump. I think... He is trying to be a candidate of principle, and I think he's refusing to be principled and actually answer that question. Uh, And so I think if you're going to come on the show, you should answer questions. So as a part of that, I want everybody to know that's fine. I'm too busy as well. I've got to wash my hair this week. So we will not have Mike Pence on the program. He doesn't have a cell phone signal. I got to wash my hair. That's how these things go. But he should honestly drop out of the race. He has a 0% chance of winning any of these states. I don't know why he's running. Again, everybody other than the six that I named has 0% chance, and I think I'm being very generous in naming those six, okay? Everybody else should be out. There should, if Trump's not going to debate at all, there should only be five people on the next debate stage. It should be Vivek Ramaswamy, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, and Chris Christie. Let those five actually have the opportunity more so to speak. Let everybody consider them. Everybody else who's running, they should drop out. It's embarrassing. Once you know, and this is the argument I made, uh, if you are are trying to get married, not if you're just trying to date, if your goal is to get married, as soon as you know that you don't want to have kids, presuming that you want to have kids, and you know you don't want to get married, with the person that you are dating, you should break up. As soon as you know, because otherwise it's not being fair to your partner. And also, like, if both of you were like, hey, we're just kind of hanging out, we don't want to get married, we're not worried about kids, that's fine. I am saying if your goal is to get married and if your goal is to have kids, as soon as you know you're not going to marry and or have kids with the person you're dating, you should break up. As soon as it is clear that you have a 0% chance to be elected president, in order to be elected president, you have to win one of the first four primary states. That's being very generous. Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, or Nevada. If you can't win one of those four, you have a 0% chance of being elected president. I think only six candidates right now have a chance to, to win any of those states, at least one. If you can't do it, you should drop out. Uh, And so that, to me, is quite clear. Uh, Also, you might have heard earlier on Clay and Buck, we had a big discussion. I started off the show saying suburban moms are going to decide the 2024 election. And I talked directly to them, and maybe some of you are suburban moms right now. And you are out there and you're listening. I said you have to talk about abortion. Because my position, my expectation is... What, how are Democrats going to run in 2024? Assuming Trump is the nominee, they're going to say Trump is an awful human being. He's a threat to the nation. He is a divider. He uh, tried to overthrow the election with January 6th. All of the regular Trump is awful arguments. And then they're going to layer on top of it. Also, Republicans hate women. We're going to hammer abortion all the time. And that is going to work on many suburban women. So I think Republicans have to tell the story here. And I wrote about this a lot in my book. The Democrat position on abortion is actually the radical one. Republicans have a wide variety of perspectives, right? My position is I believe in exceptions for rape, life of the, uh, life of the mother, and incest. I also believe that somewhere... In, and by the way, the 10% of people believe there should be no exceptions. I disagree with those 10%. 10% of people believe you should be able to have an abortion all the way up basically to birth. I disagree with all those people. Okay? That leaves 80% in the middle. I'm squarely in the 80% number. I don't know exactly what week I think it makes sense for abortion to end. Uh, In terms of being permissible, I think somewhere in the first trimester ish is the answer. Right. Certainly, I don't think third trimester abortion should be legal. I don't think post viability abortion should be legal. My personal opinion. Some of you agree. Some of you disagree. In my ideal world, abortion would be safe, legal and rare. And every state now that Roe v. Wade has been overturned can have some of these difficult debates. But I think Republicans need to pivot very rapidly from where exactly the line should be drawn is a state issue. We believe it should be somewhere in around the first trimester. People can take a position on what week it is. What should not happen is third trimester abortions. That's what's actually radical. And Republicans, if you just watched the debate last week, have a wide variety of perspectives on where the line on abortion should be. Democrats all believe that abortion should be legal all the way up to the ninth month of pregnancy. Nikki Haley did a good job of addressing this. I wrote about it a lot in my book. You have to address this issue because they're going to demagogue with fear based on branding over pro-choice versus pro-life when the reality is most people have some pro-choice and some pro-life positions. I'm one of them. Most people are somewhere between abortion should never be allowed and abortion should always be allowed. In fact, 80% of people are there. The radical proposition is abortion should always be allowed up to the ninth month of pregnancy, which is pretty much the only position of the Democrat Party whereas the Republican Party has a variety of perspectives on exactly where that line should be drawn. Talk about it. Address it. Put it into the marketplace of ideas. I think Republicans are trying to hide on abortion, and I think it's going to be a losing issue. All right. Unless it's addressed directly, adroitly, cogently, intelligently. Now you can all scream at me. Uh, I love all of you. DBAP unless you need to SBAP. I am Clay Travis, and this has been... Outkick kick the show.